Cats at Night. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is John Katz and the Keys with Cats at Night, the number one show at 5 o'clock. And uh, with us in the studio today, we have Judge Weinberg, Tony Carbonetti, and uh, co- former congressman, I hate to say former, Peter King, and my sidekick here, Lydia Serrani. And we have one great show today. It's uh, an election uh, show. Right? Absolutely. We got it's election central here, but we will have a visitor from the 24th century, hint, a.k.a. William Shatner, a.k.a. Captain Kirk. So it's that's, that's going to be interesting. Look, we, you know, we're going to do an election show tonight, but with William Shatner, you know, it's a it's an opportunity. So I'm not going to pass that up. And I think Frank Moreno will be joining us to, to help uh, do conduct that thing. And we have on uh, on Bill O'Reilly. He's a prolific author. He's a former uh, history teacher, historian. Uh, his his latest book, Killing the Legends, is killing the bestsellers list again. What is it now? Twenty million books sold. He also has a a show here on WABC every night at nine o'clock. Common Sense with Bill O'Reilly. Bill O'Reilly. It appears that a lot of uh, Democrats are don't have much common sense these days. I think the party's in trouble, but we'll find out uh, Wednesday morning. But, you know, people should temper because a lot of these votes are not going to be tabulated as quickly as they should be, particularly in places like Pennsylvania. Um, And so I'm not sure whether we're going to get a clean look um, Tuesday night. You know, you figure around 10, 11 Tuesday night, you'll get most of it in. But I'm not sure this year. Um, there's a lot of uh, strain on the system, a lot of mail-in ballots. And, um, you know, obviously some places will know. But New York, I, you know, New York may go really late into the evening. Well, I mean, uh, it, uh, people are asking me all day long. I was on the phone. Uh, I, w- I was on television <coughs> phone with the uh, British uh, uh, BBC and and uh, they wanted to know. I said, look, I think it's 50-50. It can go either way in New York. Well, I think if it is 50-50, like John says, it probably will be one way or the other. It's going to be very close. Republicans start off more than 3 million votes behind. So the fact that, as you said, the Democratic Party is in trouble, the fact that this is a race at all is a tremendous defeat for the Democrats. If Lee well, wins, people, Lee Zeldin wins, people, then it's a, a catastrophic defeat for them. People are mad as heck. Mm-hmm. They are very, very mad out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I cannot believe, Bill O'Reilly, I can't believe uh, that uh, Governor Hochul has called in the troops and uh, uh, Harris, uh, the vice president, and, and President Biden, and, and everybody when else. When they're wasting their time here in and New wait, York. Wait, wait. They're, and, and they're saying, everybody's saying, this is a GOP hoax. Mm-hmm. There is no crime. I can't yeah, believe no. they're saying that. I, 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 I reach for the Kleenex to cry. Anyone John, that says there's no the crime. BBC, did you? Did you use your British accent? <laughs> Absolutely. I said uh, uh, thanks, uh, thanks for the Brits to getting those islands back to uh, Greece. Yeah. So we, uh, I don't want me to be surprised that Hoka would call in the troops because New York is key to the entire Democratic establishment. California, Illinois, New York, that's the trioka. Um, and if they start to lose in those states, as uh, Peter King just pointed out, then it's Armageddon. It's over the cliff. 
So something interesting happened to me yesterday. I was uh, running around uh, the north shore of Long Island and uh, just doing some chores and, and all of that. And I'm, doorbell rings. And that isn't a common thing anymore, doorbells ringing, unless you got a delivery or something. So there's a young woman at the door, and uh, she's uh, got all kinds of Democratic literature with her. It's like a college-age kid. And, uh, you know, I said, look, uh, I think we're all set here. She had no idea who I, who I am, but <laughs> I, I said, I think we're all set. And she was polite. You know, that was the first canvasser that I have seen on Long Island in 25 years. Now, there weren't any Republicans. It was just her, Democrat. But I watched. She went all around the neighborhood, every house. And that shows me the ground game is in play everywhere in New York State. Now, that's what they usually do in the urban situations. They send the, uh, the people to the apartment houses and all of that, and they, and they ask people to go to vote. But in the suburbs, very unusual. So that shows there is a very high level of concern. But anybody prognosticating and predicting now in New York, you just can't because nobody knows about the turnout in the city. And... Um, the turnout is going to be make or break of Zeldin. If Zeldin, I think it'll be see, very low, Bill. Why I, do you think it's low? Because it's not Andrew low? Cuomo. He's not a hometown. If Andrew Cuomo was on the ticket, I'd be nervous. Yeah, She's, but don't you think people want to want to basically get? I'm sorry about all this, but um, don't you think people want to basically get rid of Hochul in New York City? Would, wouldn't there be a groundswell of? We're tired of dead people in the street. <laughs> I, I, but I, the party, the Democratic Party, does not consider her, the New York City Democratic Party, does not consider her one of their own, like it did Andrew Cuomo. So they uh, need to get a so big vote in New York City. The, I think Zeldin wins. I think Zeldin wins. Okay. But if there isn't the push by the machine, which goes all the way back to Tammany Hall in New York, then you're right. They've substituted. If, 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 if the vote in New York City is suppressed, you know the vote in most other New York counties is going to be very high. Very high. Hey, Bill, I can tell you, though, on, on Long Island in uh, Nassau County, I don't know about the North Shore, we have well over 1,000 volunteers went door-to-door on Saturday, today, and are going to be making phone calls all day tomorrow. Joe Cairo has a Republican organization out in full force. Yeah, right but now. I'll tell you, from a Democratic perspective, the ones who are carrying the, the weight now is not the so-called Democratic organization. It's the Working Family Party and the Democratic Socialists. They're the ones who are doing the work on the ground and the unions for the Democrats. Right, and the Socialists have, have won their primaries— They've knocked out and they're guaranteed to win the general and the assembly and whatever races they're concerned about. So they don't need to do a pull operation now. I'm telling you, you know, I'm very yeah. hopeful on this. You know, it would be even more shocking if Letitia James goes down. A lot closer than people think. Says, what was that? It'll be a lot closer than people think. No, I've seen polling that says that she's not very far ahead. Um, but again, that's African-Americans coming out. And, you know, if I know the neighborhoods enough, I don't go in as much as I used to to do uh, various neighborhoods in the city. I'm usually Manhattan centric, but I know that they're suffering, that these neighborhoods in uh, Brooklyn and the Bronx and Queens, they're terrified. Older people in particular are terrified to actually go down to the grocery store 
Or and they're the voters, the older, yes. the older people are generally the voters. Yes. And they're all terrified. It's 100 uh, percent. So when you got Hochul, this was a huge mistake on her part, saying, oh, look, it's a conspiracy, as you guys pointed out. And people are going, no, this is real. This is how people feel. And you're not even considering how they feel. But the bottom line on this is, if Kathy Hochul is reelected, there will be thousands more New Yorkers killed or hurt in the next four years. Thousands more. Absolutely. And and again, on the line with us right now is Bill O'Reilly. Bill, I was telling uh, everybody before I had friends that are covering their campaign, reporter friends, and they said they noticed a strange dichotomy because you have the Democrats saying, yeah, we're here for the working class people for the inner city. And yet when you went to the rallies today, Hochul, she had her rally at 72nd and Broadway. It was all older uh, people, white people there. And then you had Zeldin's rally in the Soundview section of the Bronx, Grand Concourse, where somebody was randomly attacked, stabbed in the neck, and you saw all Hispanic and black people. And like you said, they were older people. And they said, we just want our city safe because they're the ones using the subway. So when Hochul comes out, like John says, and says crime is simply a conspiracy theory and Democrats like Mayor Adams, that they draw attention to crime, that they're being manipulated by the Republicans. I think if she has anybody to blame for losing this election, all she needs to do is look in the mirror. Yeah, she's a terrible candidate and a terrible governor. Um, she can't even BS like Andrew. <laughs> He's right. Who's one of the biggest BSers in the world, as everybody knows. Yeah. Okay. Hey, guy can talk your shoes off. She can't. What happens so, nationally, um, Bill? What was that? What happens nationally? So uh, Republicans take the House by a wide margin. Low 30s? Wind up 52 Republican senators to 48. But again, Georgia, I don't think, is going to be known because you got to reach 50%. Trafalgar mm-hmm. has Walker at 50%. Trafalgar has been the most accurate poll. They have him there. Um, but if he doesn't get uh, 50, then there's a runoff in Georgia in December. And um, I think uh, Bulldog is going to win in New Hampshire, which is going to be a shocker. Pennsylvania, very troubled state. Very, very troubled. They're not going to be able to count the votes there again, again. So I can't obviously make a call there. Yeah, the projections are the Pennsylvania numbers won't really come in for a few days. And then, of course, if, the, if there's a runoff in Georgia, then we will not, won't know until December. Right? I, I, I don't get when this became rocket science. You, know, you <clears throat> fill out a ballot, people count the ballots, they report the numbers. Too many, I, I too many mail-in ballots, too many absentee okay, ballots. Well, it's just, too long. It's, not, it's not a day. Question, an excellent question. Here is the answer in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, and WABC penetrates the eastern part of that state. In that state, there is a law. If you vote by mail, you must sign the envelope and date it. The Secretary of State, a Democrat, unilaterally unilaterally told the counties, if the date isn't there, count the vote anyway. She had no authority to do that. None. The Pennsylvania State Supreme Court 
quickly overturn that order. They, none of this has been reported. But it throws the whole thing into chaos. So now in Philadelphia, you know they're going to count ballots no matter what, no matter what it is. And so you have a state with no discipline and no authority in its voting process. And that's what you're looking at in Pennsylvania. Because chaos works for the Democrats. Absolutely. That's why they want chaos. Look, in Georgia, it's the highest uh, advanced vote in the history of the state. <clears throat> what were they saying a year and a half ago? With Voter the suppression. Law? Jim Crow. Jim Crow. That's what Biden said. This is Jim Crow. They're stopping people from voting in Georgia. Law passed, highest total ever in advance in Georgia. So voting is now a political ploy, and people should know it. What are you going to talk about on tonight's show, uh, Bill O'Reilly? All of this. All of this is going to be on there. And um, we have a very interesting guest, the guy who studies mail-in ballots. And um, he is fairly confident, despite the propaganda, that the Republicans are going to pretty much even the score on mail-ins. This time around, because uh, the Republican Party is starting to wise up and they're starting to buy into. I hope so. They've been awfully stupid. In 2020, they they totally missed the game. That's right. They've been way beyond the curve. But that apparently, according to this guy, who's an expert in it, works for Heritage Foundation, is is evening out. And if that's true, that might be an even bigger red landslide. Bill O'Reilly, I'll be listening at uh, 9 o'clock on uh, WABCradio.com and 770 on your on your dial and on BillOReilly.com. And uh, thank you so much, and uh, God bless you, and we pray for our country. Okay, and we'll see you guys tomorrow during Election Day. Thank you. Sounds good. And uh, next with us is A.J. Katsimatidis. He is the uh, vice chairperson of New York State for the Republican GOP Party. And also uh, she's chairwoman of uh, the uh, Manhattan, uh, New York County. Uh, How are you, A.J.? I'm doing great. Excited for Election Day tomorrow. Give us your evaluation. What's going on in New York City and New York State? So we are very excited because we're seeing great energy on the ground here in New York. And I've been out campaigning in the streets with a number of our candidates. And even in the most liberal areas, we're having people come up to us and say, I'm a lifelong Democrat. I've never voted Republican in my life. And I'm voting for Lee Zeldin or I'm voting for Joe Pinion. And it's really exciting to see because I have never seen this kind of energy before in New York. People are really, really mad in New York City, New York State. I got that pulse. You got the same pulse, Carbonetti? Yeah, this is, John, this is 1989 and 1993 all over again. Uh, It reaches a point where it becomes unbearable and the people say to themselves, we've left ourselves in Democratic hands for too long. Someone's got to come in and clean the city up and that person's usually a Republican. And are you getting the same feeling, AJ? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the voters that are coming to talk to us are saying the same thing, that they're afraid that their daughters can't walk down the street 
And they know that Zeldin said on day one that he was going to declare a crime emergency to get rid of the cashless bail program where mothers like Tammy Hudson have been suffering because her daughter was shocked because the guy was let out on cashless bail and too many mothers have lost their children and people are afraid. And Zeldin said he's going to fire Alvin Bragg and the voters are responding to this because Kathy Hochul has been tone deaf on this issue, saying that crime really isn't an issue when people are actually experiencing this. AJ Katzmatidis, what do you say to people that say a Republican can't win here in New York? So the rest of New York state is actually red. The whole state is red. It's New York City that is so deep blue. Um, and that's the reason why Republicans have lost across the state in the past, because we have the population density. But because crime is disproportionately affecting people in the cities, we are seeing a disproportionate, disproportionate number of people voting Republican in this election cycle. So our numbers, if we can get at least 30 percent of the vote to vote Republican in the city. And we are seeing this in the polling that people are going Republican in the cities. I think we can win and we have a really good shot, but we need every single vote that we can get. Polls are open from 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. tomorrow. And if you don't know where your poll site is, go to findmypollsite.vote.nyc to locate your poll site and please vote. And you're going to be on tomorrow morning with uh, Sid, uh, uh, Sydney Rosenberg on Sid Show. Yes, you're going to be on. I think nine oh five. Yes, I'm looking forward to that, and then I'm going to go back and continue to campaign with our candidates throughout the city, so we can keep turning people out. Great job, AJ. It's going to happen. I feel it. I hope so. And also, one last thing: don't forget to flip your ballot over and vote no on the ballot proposition. The nine absolutely nine correct. billion dollar. How much are we spending? Uh, listen, AJ, you're absolutely right. correct. The first it's one is a Green of money. New Deal and slush fund, and all the others are about racial justice nonsense, which is going to wind up dealing with reparations in this city. It's a crazy thing to do. You're absolutely right. They should be voting no on all four propositions. Good for you. Well, thank you, A.J. Katzmatidis. Go out and work hard and, and save your city. Awesome. We'll do that. And thanks for having us on. And don't forget to vote. Thank you. And on the, on the line with us now is John. And on the line with us right now is John Chatches, an investment banker in media, uh, and uh, also ran for the Senate in Nevada at one point. Uh, how are you, John? I understand... John Chatches, I understand you are mad as heck and you can't take it anymore. <laughs> Good to hear your voice, John. I'm actually, uh, I'm actually astonished, is what I'd say. I'm astonished. So, John, it's Richard Weinberg. Let me ask you this question. If the polls are correct and the momentum goes with the Republicans and the Republicans win across the country, how is the media going to respond to that? Are they going to go through cognitive dissonance or what? Uh, first of all, it's a great question, uh, Richard. It seems to me nobody with any functioning brain believes that we're not going to see substantial wins by the GOP tomorrow. Uh, probably uh, double-digit numbers of uh, of the House seats, and I think most people are thinking that this could be easily a 52-48 or 53-47 Senate. 
I think the real barn burner is going to be if a couple of key races go red that everybody had sort of <clears throat> dusted under dusted under the carpet. And I think the media is going to have a lot of comeuppance because for three weeks we haven't had one bit of positive news for the Democratic Party, not one in one state. And yet the National Press Corps, um, admittedly, we know that our press is now wildly divided, hasn't wanted to utter a word of, of why is this happening? They just keep trying to divert the attention to, well, what's Trump said today or you know, what bad what, what bad things what record, say about John, what record does the Democratic Party have, the Biden administration have to run on for their two years of power? Well, you know, it's a little tough when you're as, as many, many folks have said, if you're running against milk going up 25 percent, cost of gas is seven dollars in California. Um, and, and every time you turn around, interest rates for your home and your credit cards are going through the roof. Not a great back pattern for Democratic candidates. So they've got to go look to sort of hang their hat on something else. But I think the media is going to have a lot of problems because they're going to look like they essentially were doing the bidding for one side of our political uh, apparatus. And they're going to look foolish. Uh, really the foolish. American people are as mad as heck and they don't want to take it anymore. And they're going as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. And that's how they feel. They really feel like that. And, and uh, they can't walk out of their houses and be safe. They can't take the subway and be safe. And this is their chance to get even. And the border is being flooded with no end in sight. But AJ brought up a great point about Tammy Hudson. She's the mother of that woman, Kiara Benningfield, who was killed by her husband, execution style, less than 24 hours after he was released by a judge, after he almost beat her to death. That beating was caught on video, and that poor woman was executed in front of her three children. And where was the media coverage? John Chachis, there's so many examples, and people don't understand. As a former, I guess I was a member of the media, too, for 20 years. You see, like, just the bias and how that's how they do do the fake news is because they pick and choose which stories John, that they want to report. I think I think the, I think this, the real question the media is going to have to ask themselves is how far into our own echo chamber have we gone? If all we do is report the, the news as we wish it to be, as opposed to reporting the news as it is, then the integrity of ABC, NBC, CBS, all these you know networks that for 50 years were the reporting agents for what you know the narrative is in the country, they really have lost their way and. Here's the here's the big question. Is the shy GOP vote two, three, four, five percentage points? We're going to find out tomorrow and the day after. And if it turns out that there is a three or four percentage point voting uh, group that just don't want to talk to pollsters or when that robocall comes in, they don't even answer the phone. I don't know anyone that talks to a pollster, by the way. Right. Ever. But you're not going to see a li- it's not going to be like a little, you know, a little red storm. It's going to be a tsunami. You're 100% and, uh, right. The, I feel it out there. People are really, really mad. Uh, John Chatches will talk to you in the next couple of days and, and we'll analyze the result. And now on the yeah. line with us is Kara Castronova. She's a Republican candidate for the Assembly in Nassau County. She's as beautiful as she is tough. And Congressman King, you know her well. Yeah, Kara is a great candidate. She's a rising star in the Republican Party. She has really shaken up the election in, in Nassau. I think she's going to win this assembly seat. It's right on the Nassau County border, the Elmont area where she grew up. She's a, a real fighter. She was a, a boxer, a boxing champion. She's active in the community and she's a great candidate. Kara, it's all yours. Thank you. Hey, Peter. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. So, Kara, tell us, why should everybody vote for you? 
Everybody should vote for me because we're the gateway from Manhattan in the city. We all know the crime that's going on. And my neighborhood doesn't feel safe. I talk to people every day. I knock on door after door after door. And there isn't a Democrat or a Republican that is feeling comfortable right now with everything that's going on with crime. Um, I talk to so many Republicans, uh, I mean, so many Democrats that say they're voting for Lee Zeldin. I have yet to meet one Democrat. That, that's, I'm sorry, one Republican that says they're going to vote for Kathy Hochul. So I do think I haven't met very party. many Democrats that say they're going to vote for Kathy Hochul. No, I haven't either. So it's, it's, it's a tsunami, like you guys are saying, and it's totally uh, one of the biggest things out here is crime. Everybody's afraid. We live on the borderline of Manhattan. You know, the crime has gone up. Uh, you know, everybody wants more police over here that we don't have. So, uh, you know, Elmont. Valley Stream, uh, Floral Park are, are areas in my district, if you're familiar with the borderline of Queens, and we're very close to the city. No, you were right on the border there. I mean, crime can come across, as you know, extremely easily. So I think you're running a great campaign. Your signs are everywhere. Everyone's seen you knocking on doors, walking the streets. But how do you feel right now? Tomorrow's the big day. I'm nervous. I have butterflies in my stomach, but they always said before a boxing match, if you're not nervous and something's wrong because you didn't try your hardest, because you're nervous because you want to win. And I want to win. I know we're going to have a red wave. I know Lee Zeldin will be the governor tomorrow and uh, all of our, our, our candidates over here for the Senate and for the House. I know we're going to flip the House. My seat, though, I, you know, because it's personal to me, I'm very, very nervous. I want it so bad. I want to go up to Albany. I want to fight for my community. I want to fight for the people I love. Like I said in my commercial, I don't want to move to Florida. I want to stay here in New York and and just fight as hard as I can to keep this state common sense and have a balance of power in Albany, which is what we need. Tara, if you're nervous about the campaign, you'll really be nervous when I get you in the ring. (laughs) You want to go in the ring. So we were going to have a mask, right? Madison Square Garden. Tara Castronova, day one, what are you going to do when you are elected to to the Assembly? Well, first thing we're all going to look at is repealing the cash and bail and looking at criminal justice reforms that make sense. And for me, uh, you know, everything that happened with the nursing homes, I do feel like that there needs to be more an investigation into that because I was personally affected by that. But I think the first thing we really need to look at is the criminal justice reform. Hopefully we'll have more of a balance of power up there. And, you know, people just need to feel safe. It's not fair when people are going into the city, taking the train in and feeling like they're not safe. So that's something we have to look at. And also um, me, I'm a big medical freedom person. So I really want to take a look at it. I can't at, uh, believe. Can you believe that uh, Kathy Hochul had all the people come in and they said that it's a GOP conspiracy and crime? Yeah, she's crazy. She's out of touch. Um, she's actually here in my neighborhood. I think Mayor Adams was here as well. Uh, I think they're panicking. So they're pulling in the big guns, which are actually uh, against the, going against their favor because nobody here in my neighborhood likes Kathy Hochul or, or Mayor Adams for that matter. So uh, I think they're panicking. They're, they're finally starting to campaign in the last, I think, five days before the election. Carrie, you are not- definitely on the on the front lines of crossover crime. Uh, again, that crime coming in from the city. So just keep doing what you're doing. And uh, again, stand with the police the way you've always done it, because you are really in the firing line there. Yeah, for sure. We definitely have the police on our side here in Nassau County. Carrie, give us your, your website in case somebody wants to see more about you. Go to Caras, D-A-R-A, for assembly.com. My name is Cara Castanova. Get out the vote tomorrow. Call your friends. Tell everybody it is the most important midterm election in modern history. It is the most important midterm election. Thank you so much. Thanks, Cara. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Well, we're back, and we're waiting for to be able to dial into the 24th century and get uh, uh, William, William Shatner in. He's got a new book. And uh, that should be interesting. Uh, we got, do we have Frank Morano on? 
Hello, John. It is great to be here on the Cats at Night show, especially with such an august panel. And uh, you know what a fan I am of William Shatner. So it's well, we're waiting for him to beam down to the uh, 20th (laughs) century or 20, you know, from the 24th century so we can talk to him. We figured maybe he knows the election results. Can can we get the election (laughs) results? I wonder. <laughs> well, you know, you, you once you deal with time travel, you have all those parallel worlds and what history is being changed. You remember how things worked out in Star Trek Four when they went back and grabbed the whales, changed the whole course of everything. Yes, it did. He's on. Oh. Space, the final frontier. These oh. are the voyages of the starship. Enterprise. Well, you know what this means. It's five-year mission. We have William Shatner, a.k.a. Captain Kirk, on the line. He has a new book. It's called Boldly Go, Reflections on a Life of Awe and Wonder. Welcome to Cats at Night, William Shatner. Thank you. Thank you. Now, William Shatner, John Katzmatidis here. Uh, I was going to NYU, and everybody gathered around the television set at NYU during our college, the only television set on campus, to watch you in uh, Star Trek originally. And, and um, it, was, it, it was a show before its time. And how did you feel doing it? Well, I, I got to tell you, uh, Rick, you're, you're, uh, you're living in the past at 60 years old. You realize that, right? Yep. <laughs> okay. And, and you want to talk about a 60-year-old event in your life and in mine? I'm perfectly willing to do that. Although, bringing it up to date is also interesting, isn't it? <clears throat> tell us, tell us, uh, tell us how you feel uh, that all the information that Gene Roddenberry was using, uh, if uh, where where he where he got it from, because he got a lot of things right fifty years ago. Well, that's true, and you know, even then, we were talking about global warming and the fact that we needed to care for the Earth. And look what's happened since then. Can you imagine that the uh, United Nations, uh, Mr. Guterres, the head of the United Nations, uh, whatever his title is, was speaking today about the fact that we are uh, on the road, on the highway to hell with our foot on the accelerator uh, with global warming. And that that is really the, the existential uh, problem of today. Now, it's true that science fiction of 60 years ago was very valid, and I'm glad it helped entertain you and your your uh, your schoolmates uh, long ago, but you also understand that the world is progressive in 60 years, right? And that global warming, for example, is, a, uh, is perhaps the biggest factor in the world today, uh, uh, even counting the Ukraine war. You, you 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 realize that the the problem of today is is global warming. Is, is that not correct? Well, a lot of people feel that uh, we should control global warm uh, warming. And uh, I, I remember the Star Trek show where uh, uh, we they came back for the whales because the whales became extinct. Uh, that's exactly right. And we say a lot of people feel. That's indicative of the the uh, laissez-faire attitude that a lot of people have about <coughs> global warming. A lot of people feel. A lot of people don't feel the the uh, the rush, the 
the the imperative of today about global warming. Isn't that strange to you? I, well, I'm in the oil business, so I uh, I have to be a little bit uh, in the middle. <laughs> you're in the oil business, and you wish to uh, maintain the the facade that global warming may or may not be. Well, in 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 reality, is uh, we don't mind converting over the next fifty to seventy years, but when the government says to you, you got to convert by twenty thirty, that's a little bit. The problem is, is you don't have fifty to seventy years. Look at the the destruction that's going on in Florida right now, and and the obvious signs all around the world. There's a drought in in where I'm living in California. The likes of which have never happened before. So you're seeing uh, the, the extremes in weather and all the signals around you. Now, I understand oil and coal are, are extraordinarily important, but that doesn't mitigate the fact that all people should be aware that there's global warming going on, and we're in a transitionary time. And, uh, and Mr. Shatner... is inordinately important, but... Surely you don't deny global warming. Mr. Shatner, this is uh, Frank Morano, and uh, it's great to talk with you again. And uh, just so you know, John Katzmatidis has also been a leader in biofuels and a lot of renewable energy uh, spheres as well. Uh, I congratulate you on the new book. I've read all your books, and I absolutely love this one. You've spent so much of your life portraying characters that have gone to outer space, and now you've achieved what very few people actually have and got to go to outer space. The reaction that you said that you had when you got there, I think surprised a lot of people. You indicated that it made you sad. Did that surprise you? And why did going to space and seeing the Earth Absolutely. make you sad? It, it was a shock to me. Um, it, it, I had no idea that that would be my feeling. The, the original idea of going up there for me was the excitement, the thrill of going into space. I talked about it uh, all these years ago about space and the final frontier. I've given speeches where I've said the final frontier is not space. It's one of the frontiers. The final frontiers are many-fold, and probably the final frontier is death and what happens after death. But uh, I, I, I had given essentially lip service to all those things, saying it because I felt it, but I didn't realize how deeply it affected me. I've been an ecologist for a long time, observing what was happening in the world and trying to speak out against it. And, and, um, and then going up into space, I, I, um, I, uh, I, uh, I, I observed uh, the blackness of space and the, the, the gorgeousness of the Earth. And when I came back, I started to cry. I didn't know why I was crying. And I had to sit down for a few months to realize I was had a feeling of grief, and the grief was for the world, and the grief was mm. for the <clears throat> things that are going extinct now. As we, you and I are talking, there are, there are entities going extinct that we've never seen. It's taken 5.8 billion years to evolve, and these gorgeous, beautiful things that the world and life uh, made whole is gone, and we don't know what they were, what they did, and what a miracle it was to have them on Earth. And that, to me, was so sad and tragic, and, and I didn't fully comprehend it mm. until I was able to take some time to think about it. 
uh, talking with William Shatner. His new book is Boldly Go. You got to check it out. And uh, Mr. Shatner, you mentioned death. My lone complaint with you, and I've followed everything you've ever done, and I'm a fan of everything you've ever done, is that I haven't gotten to interview you nearly enough. And I always thought that uh, when you stopped living, that opportunity would go away. But apparently, I may have that opportunity, and John Katzmatidis may have that opportunity to interview you even after you pass on. Are you really going to be a hologram after you pass away? Well, I'm so involved in futuristic things. It's been not something I would have chosen 60 years ago, but over the years, because of uh, uh, of uh, uh, interviews like this, where people talk about what is the future and what and what, uh, thinking I know, uh, I've I've had a deep interest in futuristic ideas, and one of the ideas that they came to me uh, a couple of years ago that, that, that uh, uh, somebody came to me with was a hologram and artificial intelligence and the technology of being able to allow the viewer to ask the question and then the artificial intelligence element answering that question. So I sat down in front of, oh, I don't know, 15 cameras taking a uh, holographic picture of me uh, I sat for five days and answered questions as fully as I could. And out of that came uh, a, uh, a uh, well, I don't know what you'd call it, a, a, re- a recording of uh, every imaginable question and every imaginable answer so that now and in the future, somebody will be able to sit down in front of my image and ask me a question and presumably, I'll have a decent answer to that question. And what struck me uh, hugely was if that technology had been around at the time of, oh, I don't know, Einstein? How about Beethoven? How about Plato? If you could sit down in front of an image of the great men of history and ask them a question pertaining to anything, pertaining to when they went to the bathroom, or how did they get the idea for their philosophy? What an extraordinary uh, experience it would be for you. So I joined that company called um, um, StoryFile, and that's the company that's doing that. And think of the uses uh, that you could put that to. Uh, How far away... How far away from being able to, to download the brain into a computer? The brain? Yes. The, you, uh, did you say the brain? Someday we'll be able to download a, our brain into a computer. How far away do you think we are? Well, I think that's a long ways off, but we can download information. <clears throat> For example, there's a huge computer, the largest computer in the world, that has been programmed with everything that's been written in English. And I watched somebody inquire uh, esoteric things, not what is 2 plus 2, but things that ordinarily a computer can't answer, like what is love and, and what is justice, things that are ephemeral. So since this computer was programmed with everything that has been said, it offered very erudite answers to those uh, uh, non-concrete <clears throat> questions. And, and then it occurred to me that all of us are programmed by uh, 
by teachers telling us, well, here's what Plato said, here's what uh, 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 Einstein said, here's what 2 plus 2 is. So we're all, in effect, artificial intelligence pro- uh, pr- programmed. And, and there, isn't, there is a difference between us and a, and a computer, but the edges are getting more and more uh, fuzzy. Uh, Mr. Shatner, uh, you did a terrific series for the History Channel called William Shatner Meets Ancient Aliens. And uh, obviously your career has been so tied up with space all the way going back to the 60s, all the way till uh, last year. It was also reported years ago that you you might have actually seen a UFO. Uh, given your perspective on all this stuff and researching it, tell folks what you think about the possibility of UFOs having visited this planet is. Well... Again, you've got to make the distinction between an unidentified flying object, which is a flying object that's out there and we haven't identified what it is, uh, and a little green man in control of that UFO. There's a huge difference. Now, we've seen recently filmed by Navy pilots on UFOs. But there's no explanation. We don't know what they are. Uh, we've heard... Um, military guys on ships saying they saw ships on the horizon disappear into the ocean. Um, do you know what the word Fata Morgana is? I'm embarrassed to say I don't. No, it's no embarrassment. I, I came upon the word some time ago. I looked it up and realized Fata Morgana means an illusion. That's what uh, uh, one might see in the desert when you see a mirage and it's not really there. But where is it? We now know that the light waves can be uh, perverted by uh, hot air, waves, layers of hot air, in the same way sound in the ocean uh, uses layers of cold and hot water, currents of cold and hot water, so the air is the same way, so that there is a phenomenon known as Fata Morgana, which means that it's possible that some object, a distance, maybe a thousand miles away, is being projected into the stratosphere and reflected somewhere else. And so Fata Morgana, this, this phenomena of a very worldly phenomena that's explained, could be part of what we're talking about. Frank Moreno and uh, William Shatner, uh, we're going to break in New York, but you guys can continue the conversation for for our show uh, that's coming up. And uh, uh, William Shatner, we love you, and the, the world loves you, and I think you're, you're more right than wrong. What could I say? This is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Well, Frank Morano is going to keep uh, talking to uh, William Shatner, and all of us love Star Trek. And and uh, the big question was, if you were, had a problem and you're out of space, would you rather have Captain Kirk or would you rather have, uh, who's our other ones? Joe Biden. No, my God. <laughs> he is in outer and space. And now let's take, we got uh, from Connecticut, and you um, and Frank Morano will be playing it at 1 o'clock in the morning on WABCradio.com at 770. And uh, Leora Levy, Connecticut. Can you win? Hi, John. 
Oh, you bet I'm going to win. But you, one thing nobody knows about me is how much I love Star Trek. <laughs> when I was in fifth grade, I actually went with a few friends to protest the TV studio in L.A. when they took the original Star Trek off the air. Oh, my God. Good for you. <laughs> we all love Star that Trek. You know why? Protest. It expanded our mind mm-hmm. to what could happen in the future. Way ahead of its time. It's Richard Weinberg. It seems to me that you're... How are you? It seems to me that your race is vitally important to the future of this country because you need to be the 51st vote in the United States Senate to protect the the country against the drift it's going through. Could you talk about that? Yes, I'm happy to. I'm running against a 37-year career politician, and the people of Connecticut want change. He has voted for every single policy from the Biden administration that has made their lives unaffordable, unsafe, that has brought fentanyl into our communities through that open border, and has... Given, made sure our children do, are not educated. They are indoctrinated here with a politicized education. So I'm running to change that. We can, we can make life affordable again. We can reignite American energy production, bring those energy prices down, and eliminate the shortages. Joe, Joe Biden last night said, no more fossil fuels. Yep, he said it. And, uh, you have one minute left. But, How big of a problem is fentanyl? I, I want to hear about fentanyl in Connecticut. Yeah, well, we've had eight babies die from fentanyl poisoning in Connecticut. We've had young teenagers die. We've had young adults die. We are decimating a generation of our children. And on top of that, they've had learning loss from the COVID shutdowns and developmental problems from the from the mask wearing that they made them do. Give us your website. Inferior education. Give give us your website quickly. Leora4CT.com. I hope everybody goes out to vote and bring eight people on November 8th. You can and do Peter it. Peter King, anything uh, for, for Leora? I, I, I think she can definitely win it. It's her race to win right now. Leora Levy, go out there and win. Thank you. We got a million people listening. Go out and vote for Leora. Let's have a change in Connecticut. Thank you so much. Are we back and into outer space? We're with not this? in outer space yet, are we? What do we stand for? Truth, justice, and the American way. God bless. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network.